Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show, which acts like a pair of magical sunglasses. Hmm, they're so magical they're not even sunglasses. You put these on, you watch False Flag Weekly News, and suddenly the hideous truth appears to you, the truth that nobody without the magic sunglasses can see. So please help us continue to manufacture these magical sunglasses without having to resort to Chinese slave labor, bankster cabal, usury financing, or other compromising means. Because here at False Flag Weekly News, we do not compromise in seeking and speaking the truth. And here's my incredibly uncompromising guest host, E. Michael Jones. That's not him with the sunglasses here. Um, I don't think that's you, Mike, with the sunglasses. No, no, no back, sunglasses. Back up the slide, here. guys. We're going too fast. <laughs> hey, Mike, how are you doing? Good, Kevin. Good to be here. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so this is, of course, a reference to the film They Live with the uh, the magic sunglasses. And boy, you don't have to squint too hard through your magic sunglasses to see what's really going on these days. It's like they're barely even hiding their conspiracies anymore, and especially their conspiracies to shoot down the truth by calling it a conspiracy theory, which is the ultimate conspiracy. Uh, time to heal with Biden and Kamala. And in fact, it's really time to heal, as in heal, Rover. And uh, a lot of people are barking out their ascent, not us. Uh, so, uh, Mike, have, have you seen the film They Live? No. Okay, got to check it out. It's it's like The Matrix. It's a, it's a cult classic for uh, people like us. So moving along here, we just went through our obligatory disclaimers, but just once again, a reminder, this is a red-pilled show, so if you're addicted to blue pills, uh, don't watch it. <laughs> And if you can handle the red pill, take it. We're, we're getting into a lot of Hollywood references here. And we all know who runs Hollywood, but they make some pretty good movies anyway. So where were we here? Okay. Uh, censoring uh, conspiracy theories. Trying to make sure nobody gets those magic sunglasses to see through what's really going on. Uh, here is our top story this week. We learn that there is a massive, direct, desperate terrorist threat we think anger fueled by false narratives, meaning so-called conspiracy theories, will inspire terror attacks in the coming weeks. This is an official alert. I was lucky I was able to fly to and from the North Tower of the World Trade Center. Well, I didn't fly directly to the North Tower of the World Trade Center. That's that's uh, what they said Mohammed Atta did, even though he was not even on the plane. Uh, I flew to New York. I went to a General Qasem Soleimani conference in the North Tower of the Trade Center. I flew back just in time to avoid the big crackdown of this latest terror alert. So, Mike, do you agree that, quote unquote, false narratives, such as elections not being entirely secure, are going to cause an outbreak of massive terrorism in our country? Yes, I agree. Uh <laughs> Yeah. The problem is uh, identifying who's coming up with the false narrative. That's the big issue, because we are being assaulted by a false narrative right now surrounding that. Uh, uh, now, here's the crucial point. What word am I going to use? The pro-Trump demonstration, the insurrection. The, what we're seeing here is the game of who gets to uh, apply the label that sticks, because that's what this is all about. Who gets to impose the categories here on what really happened? That's the battle of our day. It is. And the, the media is getting less and less uh, even, you know, pretending to be objective, balanced or neutral. Instead, they are absolutely sure about everything, including all sorts of contested issues. They know the truth. And anybody who questions what they think is the truth is spreading a false narrative and thereby inspiring terrorism. 
That's what they're telling us. Look at this next story. Actually, two. We got two New York Times stories. But well, first, smoking gun here. This is the uh, the the memo where uh, Miller ordered a stand down, not only of the uniformed military, but apparently the National Guard as well. Prior to the events at the Capitol on January sixth, um, stand down. So everybody saw these these protesters at the Capitol. There was there was no. Uh, Police, there's a tiny little contingent of police and these easily overcomable barriers, and some of the police even invited them in. No, the, poli uh, the police removed the barriers. I saw the video. The yeah. police removed the barriers. So they were invited in. It was a trap that was set for the Trump supporters so that they could apply the narrative of terrorism. This is domestic terrorism. That's the label they get applied to it after they let them in and created this incident. It looks that way to me too, Mike. Uh, I wouldn't, on the other hand, discount the possibility that there was a spy versus spy game going on here between the, the two sides at high levels, just like with the election itself. The election fraud, I think, probably cut both ways. And, you know, one group of spies outdid the other. And likewise here, who knows whether the people like Gordon Duff and his sources are right, that there may have been a pro-Trump plan to disrupt the uh, Congress, perhaps, according to Duff, there was there were some paramilitaries who were going to seize Pence's family as hostages. Trump would get on the phone with Pence, and Pence would say, would throw the election. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's one other possibility that Miller would have gotten the orders from people in on that. But it was all a trap. It would still be a trap, but it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean one side is 100% guilty, the other side 100% innocent. Yeah, I'm no fan of William of Ockham. But I do think that Occam's razor applies here. So don't multiply beings without necessity. I think there's a simple explanation that doesn't need any other corollaries to it, that they were let in, that we have precedent here uh, for Charlottesville was a setup. Uh, the police pushed the uh, the white boys into the arms of Antifa when they should have separated them. That's there true. was a, 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 a certain a, a almost exact precedent was set in Berlin a few weeks ago when they had a COVID demonstration and suddenly a group of people invades the Bundestag. It's ex almost exactly the same type of thing. We just had last week in India, a man with a turban. That turban means he's a Sikh, right? Climbing to the top of the Red Fort and waving some type of flag of insurrection. And then the, Narendra Modi uses this to discredit the farmers' protest against oligarchic control of agriculture. Wait a minute. It turns out that that guy was not a Sikh. He put the turban on to give that illusion. He's a friend of Narendra Modi. So we have instance after instance of the same playbook being used throughout the world now. Well, these are all contemporary spins on the Reichstag fire, aren't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the Reichstag fire all over again. And now instead of the Nuremberg laws, we're going to have this domestic terrorist bill from this uh, Mr. Is it uh, uh, Schneider? Representative Schneider is going to introduce the ADL's representative uh, from wherever he comes from. Is going to introduce this. And uh, we're going to see uh, suddenly, uh, it used to be Muslims now. Now it's half the country. Uh, terrorists by by default, ter uh, ter people who are guilty until proven innocent of engaging in terrorism. All 70 million Trump voters, and that, I guess I think that even includes you, Mike, uh, are all now labeled terrorists. So that's right. Maybe that image from from the They Live film that you know has Biden and, and Kamala uh, saying it's time to time to heal. Maybe that should be it's time to heal. 
Sig Heil right. Biden. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Reichstag fires everywhere, breaking out like crazy. Yeah. I I, I, I tend to be a Hegelian in this regard, and I see them undoing their very strategy by pushing it too far. Now, uh, I, I, know, I know you're jealous of this fact, but I was one of 10 people named by the ADL as uh, an anti-Semite who had to be removed. Now, 10 people are not difficult to identify, okay? Now, what they've done is now increase that number to 70 to 80 million. Now, you cannot identify me in a crowd of 70 to 80 million. So you're undoing the very campaign that you started. Interesting point. Yeah, if, if they have to go after all 70 million equally, that's going to take up a lot of resources. So maybe we, we the are, asymmetric warfare here is going to work for you guys. Well, they, they, they created a mass movement by, by demonizing a certain group of people. You're, they used to, I don't, you remember the left? Do you remember the left? They used to say, the Jews back then used to say, first the establishment fantasizes its enemy and then he creates it. That's what's happening here. And, and they're also creating their own version of reality uh, in a very ham-fisted way. Let's, let's go to that New York Times story. There are actually two in a row. The first one is this uh, attack on so-called, uh, what, what do they call them, false narratives in, or so-called conspiracy theories. And Adam, I mean, Alan, our producer, reminds us to put quotes in front of the term conspiracy theory, of course, since that was invented by CIA psychological warfare operators who sent it through their Operation Mockingbird assets in the controlled corporate mainstream media to try to demonize anybody who was questioning the official story about what happened to JFK. That's where the term conspiracy theory comes from. So here's the New York Times uh, telling us that it was these conspiracy theories, and not just conspiracy theories, but false conspiracy theories that caused the terrorism at the Capitol or the Reichstag fire or the insurrection or whatever you want to call it. And uh, look at all these examples of what they call are false conspiracy theories. That is, any discussion of JFK that doesn't blame Oswald acting alone, any discussion of 9-11 that doesn't blame Osama and 19 young Arabs, Boston bombing, uh, various mass shootings, the OKC bombing, uh, elections stolen from Bernie Sanders, 5G health risks, and uh, COVID tracking being Orwellian. I mean, to me, all of those, I've looked into all of them pretty extensively. They're all very clearly true. Uh, so here's the New York Times trying to tell us that uh, what is true is false. Uh, you know, what's, you know, the truth is lies. Ignorance is strength. Freedom is slavery. New York Times is all on board with it. Well, the, the problem is just the number alone. It keeps proliferating. Every time you add a new conspiracy theory, you dilute the power of the one that are already on the list. Yeah, so that's now why they keep conspiring. <laughs> to, 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 to destroy their own narrative? No, this is something beyond their intention. This is, they are being guided by an intention that is superior to their own in doing this. This is what Hegel calls the cunning of reason. They're being led into undermining their own position by extending it beyond all parameters of plausibility. Indeed. Well, back even in the 1990s, a poll showed that more than two-thirds of Americans knew that JFK was killed in a coup d'etat and the CIA was involved in it. That was from a Newsweek poll. I remember very clearly when the Oliver Stone film came out. So it's not just the 70 million Trump voters who are now terrorists. 
it's the what 160 170 million americans who know that jfk was killed in a coup d'etat by our own deep state they're all terrorists too pretty soon it's going to be pretty much everybody's a terrorist yes and that's the problem when you have everyone a terrorist how do you deal with that how do you deal with that? Do you have the uh, importation of the East German model, which is basically 50% of the people are spies spying on the other 50%? Uh, even if you have cell phones, once you get to numbers like this, you lose the battle. So the battle was won when you convinced everyone that he was an American and you had a unity based on the control of information, which was going through very few channels. So it was basically Alan Dulles calling up Walter Cronkite and saying, uh, it was a lone deranged gunman. And then Walter Cronkite goes on and everybody believes it. And it took years before that started to fade. That's the problem here. You got too many sources of information and too many conspiracy theories to control and too many people thinking the wrong thought. It's not, it's not going to work. It's heading in the wrong direction. And the proof that it's heading in the wrong direction is the coercive nature of the controls that they have to impose. When you impose coercion, you're losing. It's a sign you're losing. Well, in defense of the New York Times here, um, you know, they say that that anger about all of these conspiracy theories is is you know driving you know uprisings and insurrections and so on. And maybe they're right that people are starting to get angry about some of this. I mean, after all, why would anyone be angry when the media, the government, academia, and the check fuggers, I mean the fact checkers and the other authoritative knowledge sources are incessantly lying to us about our own history and unfolding current events and the most important events out there. Why would anyone be angry? Uh, so yeah, maybe they're right. Yeah, maybe people are getting angry. Let, let me give you an example of overreach here. There's a neocon Catholic magazine called Catholic World Report that spends its whole life trying to stay on si the right side of the Jews who control the media through neoconservatism, which is an obsolete political ideology by now. So they were just banned for, from Twitter. Well, wait a minute. Why? Why? Well, they criticized Rachel Levine. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, let's not, we're not going to criticize uh, anybody like that. <laughs> well, we would never do such a thing here at Fall Wait a minute. The, why did the Biden administration made itself the laughing stock of the country by appointing uh, this fat uh, Jew who thinks he's a woman as, as in the Department of Health and Human Services? What does this guy know about health? He's shooting his, I, I don't want to go into details here, but he's at least no, shooting please, please his body up. He's at <laughs> least shooting, it's, he's at least shooting his body up with hormones, which are not good for health. And God knows what type of operation he's undergoing to do this. That's not good for your health either. They okay. set themselves up for this. Well, let me, let me just mention for the benefit of the YouTube censors, I, I did ask uh, Mike Jones to spare us the details. And I'm the host of this show, so I'm obviously helping you try to censor people saying these very crazy things thank, that Mike was saying. I mean, how could anybody thank, say anything like that? Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for <laughs> preventing me from going overboard here. Thank you. I need you as my super ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're all working for the YouTube censors now, aren't we? Uh, YouTube censors. Okay. Uh, now that that message is done, uh, <clears throat> where are we here? Okay. Well, the truth is now terrorism. Uh, and the next New York Times story tells us that the First Amendment is now, quote, a virtual suicide bomb. <laughs> That's a direct quote from the New York Times story. Uh, and I guess they're right. The truth is terrorism. As, as the Quran says, we hurl, that's we, the royal we as in God, we hurl truth against lies and the truth bashes the lies brains out. 
that's a direct you know, interpretation of the Arabic in Surat al-Anbiya, uh, that's verse 18. We, the truth bashes the lies brains out. So that, that actually kind of goes along with your take, Mike, on how ultimately God's truth uh, prevails. That's right. To uh, veritas magna est prevalabit, which is Arabic for the truth is great and it will prevail. No, wait, that's Latin. Uh, the truth is great and it will prevail. God's word goes out and it will not come back until it has fulfilled its mission. That's in the scriptures. Indeed. And th this is agreed upon by the great uh, revealed religions, the prophets of those religions, the wisdom teachers and saints inspired by these traditions. And yet um, this wisdom of the ages is completely ignored and overturned in our corrupt uh, society, which looks more and more like the end times. But that's another discussion. So we have to get through all these news stories. So let's let's jump over to Tulsi Gabbard, who's saying these politically incorrect things that are so obviously sensible that she has to be marginalized and silenced. Here, you know, she in the past has introduced a bill to prevent the men who think that they're women from competing against women and, and crushing them in women's sports. Uh, she's opposed to regime change wars. She's opposed to election fraud and trying to secure American elections. And so now uh, here she is attacking John Brennan, the former CIA director. And Brennan says that the new ISIS is this unholy alliance of religious extremists, authoritarians, fascists, bigots, racists, nativists, Trump voters, those 70 million people who are now terrorists. And Tulsi thinks that he's crazy. And so do I. Yes. Yes. Tulsi, unlike Kamala, actually got votes. Uh, but she was censored because uh, she actually had some military experience, unlike Pete, who uh, sat in an office and played video games. Uh, and that's why as soon as it was clear that she represented some type of constituency on the left, she was marginalized by the Democratic Party. Yeah, it's crazy. That, I mean, that to me, uh, you know, she and uh, you know, Bernie Sanders, who also emphasizes economic issues and reality based issues over these insane identity politics, politics type delusions. Um, and Andrew Yang, uh, you know, there were a handful of relatively sensible people, whether you agree with everything that they say or not, you have to admit they're basically sensible, while the rest are a bunch of corporate oligarchy driven stooges with uh, psychotic belief systems. And of yes. course, the, the same people have to be marginalized. Yes. Be careful what you pray for, Hillary. So she creates identity politics and identity politics now created a group. Uh, uh, of, first of all, people who voted for Donald Trump, and now secondly, a large group of people who are mad about what happened to Donald Trump. And frankly, as far as I'm concerned, you know, any, the, the worse that happens to Donald Trump, the better. I, I have no use for Donald Trump. And if you watched the presentation I gave in the North Tower of the World Trade Center two days ago, no, no, I'm sorry. It was yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess I flew home. I gave the presentation and then flew directly home, Whatever, whenever it was. I think that that space-time weapon that the U.S. military is deploying to destroy the fabric of space-time may already be working on me. In any case, if you watched my presentation on the murder of Soleimani, you would know that I have no use for Donald Trump. However, uh, I will happily admit that the 70 million Trump voters who are being demonized as domestic terrorists, actually, and some of them actually have their reasons for preferring Trump to some of these other lunatics. Um, and Mike, of course, you're of, you're of that school of thought. Uh, there are people, there are intelligent people who actually voted for Trump. Believe it or not, you wouldn't know that to watch our mainstream media. 
Trump was a protest against the oligarchs. The people who voted for him voted for a protest, and then he let them down uh, because he switched from America first to Israel first. So what's the message? What is the lesson we can learn from Donald Trump? If you lick the boots of the Jews, they will kick you in the teeth. That's the message. Okay, well, I, I, I don't think, yeah, well, we won't get into a whole discussion of the history of Donald Trump and who he's been working for all his life. Let's move on to is the there, issue. Is there a more pro-Jewish president than Donald Trump in American history? Donald, yeah, Donald Trump is, I mean, you could make a case that he's almost the Antichrist in fact he had this incredible charisma and then he did more than anybody else to try to set things up so that the most insane wing of the Zionists can blow up the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the greatest Islamic architectural monument and, and spiritual monument, and, and rebuild, so-called rebuild a blood sacrifice temple and start slaughtering pink heifers and God knows who else uh, in service to Antichrist who will rule the world from Jerusalem. That's exactly what Trump was trying to accomplish, uh, taking orders from the masters who were pushing that agenda. And uh, well, he failed so far. But let's move on to the, the COVID vaccine, another sign of the times, maybe the end times. Um, the bad reactions to COVID go viral, and Wired Magazine and the rest of the mainstream media are lamenting that people who experience these bad reactions film themselves and put it on YouTube and get lots of views. Uh, so as Chico Marx famously said, who are you going to believe, me or your own eyes? <laughs> yeah, what about uh, the nurse? the nurse who almost died on camera after she got that she collapsed on camera and apparently died. Okay. And then there's uh, Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron was another public uh, promoter of the vaccine. He got the shot on camera and he died 18 days later. Not one obituary mentioned the fact that he had gotten the COVID vaccine. And so on so, and on yeah. and on. Yeah, and yeah, we, all of which are being suppressed. In other words, the, the COVID got played up when it wasn't really as bad as they said it was, and the vaccine got played down, even though it's worse than what they said it is. And that's undoubtedly true because the, the propaganda in the mainstream is completely one-sided. Um, it's still, of course, possible that the vaccine isn't causing everybody who gets it to have these kinds of reactions. And it's also possible that it will have some effect. It's possible that COVID is pretty darn bad. There is a whole discussion about that, and I refer people to the No Lies Radio webinars about the COVID bioweapon. Now, it may not be quite as nasty a bioweapon as they wanted to build and as they're planning to build, and when Bill Gates brings out Pandemic 2, as he's promised us, um, I'm being sarcastic here, of course, he didn't directly say that, uh, maybe uh, we'll get a taste of what a real serious bioweapon can do in terms of depopulation. But in the meantime, uh, you better get that shot despite what's happening to the people you see on YouTube. And that way you'll get a digital passport that can prove you've been vaccinated and you'll be allowed to travel, to you know, to leave your house, to avoid the anal swabs that we'll be talking about in a moment. Um, so yeah, I think we're all gonna get have to get that digital passport, right, Mike? Uh, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think they can do it. Uh, the, Merck, Merck has backed out. They've withdrawn their vaccine. And they're trying to actually find a cure to, to take care of what's actually going on rather than this phony type of vaccination. The question is, uh, you can say that that's a category of Bill Gates mind. He would like to have that. But are you going to be able to impose that? Do, will the airlines go along with that, uh, which if it means suicide for uh, uh, plane travel? 
at a certain point, look, I, I've seen people, local resistance here, they're asking people in Indiana, will you administer the vaccine? And the people are saying, well, wait a minute, I'm, this isn't a hospital. This is a, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because that might identify the person, but it's not a hospital. And if someone has an anaphylactic reaction, I have one EpiPen. And if a second person has it, that person dies. And I'm not going to take the fall for your stupid vaccine. That's what, that's the talk here in town. So as they whip out their vaccine, their digital passports, their Orwellian infrastructure, whether or not they're able to do it successfully, and so far they're pretty far behind schedule in doing a lot of these things successfully. Meanwhile, people all over the world are dying of starvation and falling into abject poverty because of the inequality virus. That was the name of a report published at where else? Davos, Switzerland, where of course people are so worried about inequality. What we learned from this report is that the billionaire's total wealth hit almost $12 trillion in December 2020. That's equivalent to the entire COVID recovery spending of all of the G20 governments. During the COVID pandemic, the 10 richest men in the world have seen their combined wealth increase by half a trillion dollars. This is the greatest rise in inequality since record keeping began. 255 million jobs full-time jobs have been destroyed. Uh, that's four times worse than 2008. So... Um, you know, so, somebody uh, made out like a bandit here, and you got to ask a uh, qui bono who's profiting from Corona? Well, the 10 richest men in the world uh, certainly right. are. Right, the oligarchs. Uh, the, I think the paradigm here is uh, Naomi Klein's uh, shock doctrine. This is a massive shock that's been administered now to the entire world before they were local, but now they have the power to do it to the entire world to stun everyone into accepting uh, the Great Reset, which Klaus Schwab is preparing for us. But there's resistance, as we see in the next slide. Uh, riots breaking out in the Netherlands over COVID restrictions. And uh, the authorities are calling the protesters uh, criminals. So we're seeing, just like in the Capitol, we're seeing uh, people who are unhappy with the status quo being demonized as criminals and terrorists. The mo more important is India, I think. Because there are a lot of people in India, and Narendra Modi's government is notoriously corrupt. He uses uh, Hindu nationalism to divert everyone's attention from the fact that he is a tool of the oligarchs. He just passed uh, agricultural legislation that penalizes all of the farmers. The farmers are not happy. And when you're talking about farmers in India, you're talking about a lot of people. Yeah. And, and they're mad. And again, uh, they are protesting and he's trying to demonize them as terrorists. Wait a minute. It looks as if the majority population of the world are terrorists. How are we going to go after the majority of the world? What are you going to do? Lock them up? Concentration camps? How, how, you, how do you deal with the depopulation? Yeah, over, it's, the, it's, over the long haul, if, if that's what the vaccine is there to do, that Khrushchev gave a talk and what she's talked about, uh, he, he repudiated Stalin and he talked about the ethnic cleansing Stalin uh, was doing. And he said, and then there were the Ukrainians and he would have put them in concentration camps, but there were too many of them. Well, that's the problem. There are too many people that, ha that are now, now being designated as terrorists. You lost. You lost the power of designation when you overdid it. You, you know, you, once, you once, once it gets up to 90% of the world population being labeled as terrorists, I'm thinking the war on terror might end uh, differently from how they expected. You know, maybe the, uh, the so-called terrorists, meaning the 90%, will end up winning that so-called war on terror. We'll see. Well, let's, let's move over to China for our China syndrome news. 
Um, interesting item here, uh, this WHO advisor, Jamie Metzl, who is uh, based in New York, deputy staff director to the Foreign Relations Committee under then Senator Biden. Uh, before that, he ran the National Security Council and State Department under Bill Clinton. So this is a high level guy. He, um, the good news is he's admitted that COVID is a bioweapon. The bad news is that he's lying about it and saying it escaped from a Chinese lab when, in fact, we know that it was all over the world. Uh, long before that, it was all over the world in, in the summer of 2019. It was in the U.S., it was in Spain, it was in France, it was it was everywhere. Uh, it, it it just came, broke out in Wuhan because that's where they first discovered it. It was probably brought there by the U.S. military team as part of a false flag China op. So uh, the uh, Metzl is, is telling half of the truth here, but the whole point of unleashing COVID in the way they did it was to demonize China. That's my take. Uh, give me the short version, Mike, because we have to move a little faster here. Uh, there's a, the head of the Harvard uh, chemistry department was arrested right before the big COVID uh, thing happened. Uh, he was working with the Chinese. He was working with the Chinese. He had come up with a wire that you need to use to uh, manipulate this D DNA, microscopic wire. Uh, there were people from Harvard, Chinese people who were getting on airplanes at Logan Airport with vials of uh, virus in their socks uh, and traveling to China. I don't know what happened. Uh, there should be a trial here to find out the extent of this type of collaboration and how who was responsible for it. Because the conclusion, uh, what I saw is that Fauci funded this type of research. Fauci yeah. funded the Wuhan lab. Yeah, yeah, it's some kind of international effort. And I think I, I know who the usual suspects appear to be. Well, look at this. Uh, it's, okay, next, next slide. They're using anal swabs in Beijing to catch uh, people with coronavirus. Uh, of course, among the many downsides of this policy are what do you do with the millions of COVID-tainted anal swabs when you're done with them? Well, according to informed sources, the clever and always economical Chinese are using reusing them as swizzle sticks for Mai Tais, uh, which is yet another reason to respect the Quranic prohibition of alcohol. So, Mike, you accursed infidel. You haven't been drinking any Mai Tais lately, I hope. Uh, not at all. Not at good, all. Good, good. Glad no. to hear it. <laughs> okay, well, you know, if if if, if they want uh, to anal swab me, they're going to have to pry their anal swab out. No, I'm not going to get into that. Okay, back to you Wuhan. Can, you know what you can do? You can take your anal swab and you can... <laughs> You can use it as intended. Okay. So how about the, uh, the Wuhan is back to normal, except for the anal swab. Actually, the anal swabs are in Beijing. Wuhan is back to normal. Or maybe anal swabs are normal now. It's the new normal. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So, so Wuhan's back to normal. The Western media is going crazy. Uh, and uh, the Western media is telling us that they only got back to normal thanks to harsh measures like anal swabs. Um which, of course, we're now going to have to imply here. Are you ready? Uh, no. Good. No. Uh, is there, that, it's not going to happen. China is not the United States. I know a lot of people wish it were, but it, the United States is not China. There are differences. And what, hap what, what plays there uh, is not necessarily going to play here. And if they think Indeed. it is, they're in for a surprise. Two, two very different uh, systems, uh, two different countries. Well, now the, the U.S., which is the dominant number one power, is probing deep into the bowels of the South China Sea, uh, trying to start something with China, the rising number two power. Uh, and the controlled corporate media tells us that uh, Biden and all of his people, including uh, Blinken, are saying that, hey, Trump was totally right about trying to stoke up tensions with China. We're going to do that, too. I find that less than reassuring. How about you? 
the main problem with the military is overextension, which comes about when you're trying to rule the world. Okay, you're always going to be overextended. And this, in my humble opinion, is misdirection. Why did why is uh, why is the British Navy um, Leviathan? It's the sea monster. It controls the sea lanes and can blockade ports if they get uppity. Okay, they can't do that. During the last four years, the Chinese have extended their railroad, the One Belt One Road, connecting Shanghai and Rotterdam, and that makes the U.S. Navy obsolete. So this is misdirection here. Okay, well, maybe it is, but we're seeing this rise of tension between the U.S. and China and Russia, which we'll get to in a moment. And in the midst of this moment of increasing tension, Foreign Affairs Magazine, the CFR's leading journal, published a piece by Stephen Wertheim, uh, essentially dishing out what strikes me as very sensible foreign policy advice. So this is our Man Bites Dog story. Foreign Affairs actually published a sensible article pointing out that basically the you know, U.S. era of dominance is over. Let's get used to it. Well, Foreign Affairs was always uh, more attuned to the wasp the old wasp establishment uh in terms of foreign policy and they were an anti-neocon operation and this is out of out of this milieu came uh, walt and mearsheimer so they were ignored when they wrote that book on the israel lobby but now what we're seeing here is this total fixation on israel's interests has led to the decline of the united states as a world power and they're just yeah. admitting it the, the reality of the situation well, that's true. So the U.S. can't rule the world, but some of these neocons still act like they're trying to. Uh, let's move to the war on Russia news. The Navalny protests are breaking out about to color revolution Russia. Bye-bye Putin. Well, that's what the mainstream media seems to hope. But if we uh, if we read the other side of the story, move on from the New York Times over to uns.com, where we can read about the Saker's view. The Saker is a Russian military analyst who currently lives in Florida, uh, rather than this massive revolution that we heard about in the New York Times with the protesters pelting the police with snowballs and kicking at a car belonging to the domestic intelligence agency. Uh, thousands of protesters, they tell us. Well, uh, the Saker tells us that, in fact, this is all nonsense. Uh, it's it's a, another American failed color revolution. It's not going to hurt Putin, whose popularity is still up in the 60% plus levels. Um, it's been as high as close to 80, but it's it's still high enough that there's not going to be any color revolution in Russia. Yeah, Israel Shamir said the same thing. He's, he's a Russian, uh, lives part-time in Israel, part-time in Sweden. And he said that the protest was nothing. It was nothing like the way it was being portrayed. And it's not going to threaten uh, Putin. Putin, by the way, uh, just gave a speech in which he talked about how powerful big tech has become and how they're more powerful than government. Has anyone else in the world, other, any other world leader, uh, been that perceptive, addressed that issue? Indeed. Well, I think that the Saker made a good point about Joe Biden in this article. He says he always puts the word President Biden or Biden in quotation marks. And he says what he is referring to is the collective Biden, which is the sum of all the following. Biden's direct handlers in the White House, the puppet masters of the DNC, the war lobby, the Israel lobby, the letter soup agencies, the entertainment lobby or Hollywood, the U.S. propaganda machine, a.k.a. the corporate media, the many rhinos of the GOP, Big Pharma, the U.S. prison industrial complex, gender fluid freaks, unhinged feminists, anti-white racists, and the fascist pseudo-liberals. So that's what Biden means, according to the Saker. I think that's true. I think that's true. So the question is, are you going to go back to the Hillary Clinton plan? <clears throat> are you going to try and uh, conquer Syria again? 
Is that part of the plan? I don't. I think sure hope not. Happen. I think it. I think it may very well be. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? I don't think they can do it. So all these peace-loving liberals who voted for Biden think they were getting getting rid of the new Hitler Trump may be in for a surprise. That's actually the theme of the recent article I, I sent over to the Crescent magazine, and it will be published shortly. My subscribers at Patreon have probably already read it. Okay, let's move on to San Francisco, where I, I was privileged to live for about 15 years. The school board just voted six to one to remove the names of Washington and Lincoln and Feinstein from schools. <laughs> That's what? George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Diane Feinstein. And, and, and the, <laughs> is, is, isn't she on Mount, Mount Rushmore? Isn't I thought Diane so, yeah. <laughs> well, no, this, this, this is a report from The Guardian, you know, leading British newspaper. The San Francisco School Board has voted to remove the names of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Diane Feinstein, and a number of other politicians, conquistadores, and historical figures from public schools. So I guess, but you know, the ADL would probably quickly uh, remind us that removing the names of a Jewish conquistador like Diane Feinstein is anti-Semitic. What do you think? Have they said that? I don't. Why they should have said that? Why, why haven't they said that? <laughs> well, I'm sure the ADL is working on the press release even as we speak. Hey, I, sh I shouldn't give them any ideas, actually. Uh, no, actually, well, the, the real, re <laughs> the real reason that they want to remove Feinstein is that she wants. Uh, supported keeping a Confederate flag up somewhere in some sort of ceremonial historical museum type spot. So yep. there you there go. You there you have it. <laughs> okay. Well, Feinstein, I think last I heard her name was Diane and I think she was a female or otherwise known as a woman for people to remember what that, what that meant. Um, and now Biden is being accused of removing that category, namely women from uh, our cultural existence after signing this gen gender identity order on preventing and combating discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. He signed it hours after taking office. So now uh, guys can dress up as women and say they think they're women and beat the crap out of girls in that's female right. sports. This I is wish a, I'd done that when I was in high school in basketball. That's right. Again, this is the cunning of reason because they've taken it to a conclusion that obliterates the fiction that feminism has been trying to uh, spread for decades now, which is equality. There is no physical equality here. Males are superior to females in every sport, and they will beat females in every sport. So what you're doing here is you're destroying women's sport. You're destroying Title IX. Didn't you know that, Joe? Well, you know, I, I, I could have been the Shaq O'Neal of the uh, local high school basketball league if I just, you know, if I'd been born 50 years later. And That's right. Oh, well. Uh, so <laughs> more more uh, gender craziness news from the Daily Mail. The BBC tells uh, tell, is, is telling nine-year-olds that there are over 100 genders. This is a, a film uh, showing this, you know, these, these so-called educators talking with these little kids and explaining uh, that now there are over 100, if not more, gender identities. And if you don't memorize them all and get them right on the test, uh, we're going we're gonna to whack your, uh, your private parts. Um, hmm, this is very strange, these current educational methods. Well, you can't memorize 100 different gender identities. And so you're going to fail. You know, <laughs> two are difficult enough. But to have 100, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's that's impossible. And I, I never had any problem learning. with two, Mike. That, did you have I've a had problem with two? these two all for my entire life? But I, I don't. <laughs> this isn't about me. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, I, I I used to fully remember the two, but uh, 
I'm, I'm still not that confused, but it looks like everybody else is. Oh, well. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so there's pushback against this uh, so-called cultural Marxist program of uh, driving in, in identity politics over the cliff and into complete madness. But some of that pushback is coming from very goofy people like Enrique Tarrio, the FBI informant who was posing as a proud boy. The proud boys are people who think there's such a thing as boys and are proud of being boys. Well, that sounds pretty nice and normal to me, but then that group has, has become a little strange and it's led by an FBI informant. I'm not rushing down to join. Uh, this is also uh, what just happened to the case in Michigan of the uh, plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and take her out in a boat in the middle of Lake Michigan. Uh, they have just announced that the one of the people who was accused in that plot has pleaded guilty. This means he basically turned on his whoever is in that group and ratted them out. And uh, now he will get a lighter sentence. Uh, and other all those other guys will be implicated in something that was a figment of the FBI imagination. This is standard operating procedure for the FBI. And I feel sorry for uh, Mr. Tario because he got sucked into something like that. Well, with a name like Terrio, he doesn't sound like he's 100% white. So let's hope he doesn't get an all-white jury like White is a construct of the mind and the uh, of the rich and the powerful. So uh, the Washington Post just announced that there is a new category called multiracial whiteness. Watch out for it. Okay, well, I, I hope I, I never have to face multiracial whiteness. And so does Ghislaine uh, Maxwell or Ghislaine or whatever her name is. Uh, I hate publishing stories or posting stories by P.J. Watson, that notorious Islamophobic lunatic who used to do good work many, many, many years ago over with Alex Jones and then turned into a nutball. But this story uh, is kind of uh, amusing. Uh, Maxwell is trying to get the charges dropped because she says that they've seated an all-white jury which will apparently not give her a fair trial, even though she's white. Or I guess, is Jewish white? I know it's Jewish, I that's, guess. That's the big question, Kevin. Are Jews white? This is a question we have to solve. We have to re re resolve this issue before we can go forward. What's the answer? Are Jews white? Uh, I guess Maxwell is implying that maybe not, except maybe her does her all-white jury include Jews? It might very well might, because... It, it is when they want it to be, and it's not when they don't want it to be. It is a completely uh, malleable category of the mind uh, that gets imposed on groups to demonize them. That's all it is. There's, I, I've, got, I've gotten into this argument with white boys all of the time. And the problem with the white boys is that they can't distinguish between categories of the bind and categories of reality. And because of that, they play right into the hands of their oppressors. It's that simple. If you want to lose, call yourself white. You will lose. Okay. Well, I, I don't run around calling myself white very much. Uh, well, do you think if Maxwell gets off because they seated an all-white jury, um, she'll get off on an awful lot of pretty nasty stuff because the court documents have been unsealed. And now these hundred among the 112 court documents uh, and, and the items therein, we found uh, these hundreds of pay, thousands of pages of evidence, including stuff like in 2004, she left a message for, for Epstein that a 14 year old girl was available on Tuesday and um, because and he'd better grab her because he had no one else for tomorrow. Uh, another one 
was mentioned sending underage girls over to Epstein's house for training. Uh, but the one thing that this Daily Mail article ignores, as does everything else in the mainstream media, is that all of this was on behalf of the Maxwell family business. And her father, uh, Rupert Maxwell, was a notorious Mossad spy. And all of this is about getting compromising information on powerful people in the UK and the US and other places so that they can be blackmailed by Israel. But the, our media, which is essentially owned by people who have a special soft spot for Israel, will never tell you this. No. No, it's a it was a blackmail operation. That's obvious. That's obvious. So what about uh, Bill Clinton? Uh, what about uh, Alan Dershowitz? What about all these people who were on the uh, Lolita Express? Is anything going to happen? Are we going to proceed uh, or do they have some type of uh, immunity here? Or is Ghislaine going to be murdered? Uh, I know you don't think that Jeffrey Epstein was murdered, but I think he was. Well, I don't know whether he was murdered or whether he was uh, snuck out and taken to a, a penthouse in Tel Aviv um, to live with Mark Rich and all these other people and the people that Trump pardoned. Uh, speaking of which, let's look at that story. Um, Phil Giraldi, former CIA officer, published this great piece on Trump's unpardonable pardons. Uh, it points out that not only did Trump pardon Jonathan Pollard, who apparently leaked information to Israel that was passed to Russia. Hundreds of American assets died because of that, according to my VT sources. Um, and his handler, Aviam Sella, the guy who convinced Pollard to betray America, but also Elliot Broidy, who's a former finance chair of the Republican National Committee, who had five rabbis vouching for him to Trump. He pardoned uh, this guy. Oh, by the way, Broidy was involved in the Najib Razak Malaysia scandal where $100 million or so was stolen. Um, and then there was Philip S. Forms, a former nursing home executive who uh, executed the biggest Medicare fraud in U.S. history. And Shlolam Weiss, a Hasidic businessman from New York who was sentenced to more than 800 years in prison uh, back in 2000 for racketeering, wire fraud, money laundering. He stole $125 million from National Heritage Life Insurance Company, causing it to go bankrupt and all those people losing their life insurance. So these are the kind of people that Trump uh, pardoned, and they seem to have a certain kind of uh, uh, profile, don't they? Yes. And what did he get in return for doing this? They, they put, this is, this is the infantile mind of Donald Trump who feels that if the, if you get the Jews on your side by pardoning criminals, then nothing bad will happen to you. This is New York ethnocentrism and it, it, it's a lesson for all of us. Well, remember that Trump, according to the Times of Israel and other mainstream sources, uh, Roger Stone was in, uh, approached by a high level Israeli in the summer of 2016, who said, your man is going to lose unless we uh, step in and help him win. We have the intel to do that. Uh, that's all from an FBI document that was WikiLeaked, and it was briefly reported in such mainstream sources as the Times of Israel, and then covered up. And there, there's nothing remotely like that implicating Russia in helping Trump get elected. But uh, there's that smoking gun and many others about Trump cutting a deal with Israel in order to be appointed president by the Israeli lobby in 2016. Well, well the, the other thing is that when the New York uh, Police mm -hmm. Department looked into all of these problems with these so-called Russians uh, and also their connection to Donald Trump in New York, it turns out they all lived in Brighton Beach. Well, guess mm -hmm. what? They were Russian all mafia. Russian Jews. They were Russian Jews, part of the Russian mafia. But as soon as you put the word Jew in, that means you're immune from prosecution. We can't go there. This is the actual testimony of the police saying once that happens, you can't you can't take the investigation any further. But, you know, that that terrible Donald Trump, maybe the reason that they fired him after one term 
was because even though Israel appointed him president of the United States, he behaved like a notorious anti-Semite. That's what the forward, America's leading Jewish publication is telling us. I like this image of the uh, expressing your dog's glands. If your dog needs his glands expressed, uh, let's revisit the top 10 anti-Semitic uh, moments of Trump's presidency. Uh, and those moments included uh, Trump saying that some of the, the people uh, at the, that, that uh, Charlottesville thing were very nice people on both sides, that Henry Ford wasn't such a bad guy. Uh, Trump didn't mention Jews when he mentioned the Holocaust. Uh, Trump told the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. He accused Jews who weren't supporting him of great disloyalty because he was such an, an insane, over-the-top pro-Israel guy. Any Jew who didn't support him was disloyal, and that's a terrible trope. Uh, he's, Sean Spicer said that no chemical weapon, the Nazis never used chemical weapons in the Holocaust. And of course, uh, Zyklon B would be a chemical weapon if it had been used. Um, then the, True News, which is actually a pretty darn good Christian news outfit, got press credentials at the White House. Uh, Gary Cohn, a Jewish name, was accused of being a globalist by Trump. Uh, Hillary was shown in a picture with a Star of David and a pile of cash. And then finally, Trump said that Jews aren't going to vote for a wealth tax because uh, because they're, by and large, pretty darn rich. So these were all uh, terrible anti-Semitic moments, and that's probably why Trump had to be fired. Well, you can never make these people happy, so don't try. Uh, <laughs> but the, po the, point, the point here is uh, he had a conference or a meeting in Florida. It was full of Jews, and he says, talked about you people are terrible people and blah, blah, blah. And this was the way he would deal with these people uh, in New York with a mixture of kind of subservience, but a kind of honesty uh, that he knew what he was talking about. And apparently it charmed some of those Jews. But the professional uh, outrage machine uh, won't accept that. And they mobilized anything you say will be used against you no matter what you do. So don't do it. Well, if you, if you say things like uh, this representative Taylor Green said recently, or not that recently, I guess 2018, Taylor Green tweeted something about the Rothschilds, a wealthy Jewish banking family, we're told, um, that is frequently the subject of anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Uh, she, she tweeted that they might have used a laser beam from space to demolish the Twin Towers. No, uh, it's worse, to cause forest fires and then profit from them. Well, that's a pretty crazy theory. Of course, we all know the Rothschilds would do that if they could, but there's no real evidence that they can. So she's tweeting a false or at least unverified and uh, implausible conspiracy theory. And uh, that makes her public enemy number one. But it also will allow them to use this as a, the paradigm that will allow them to demonize anyone else. Uh, this guilt by association happens all the time. So when the New York Times wants to complain about uh, uh, the uh, Internet, about Parler or whatever it is, they will find one meme of some guy who is obviously a Nazi and then generalize saying everybody's a Nazi. When who knows who this guy is? You don't know who these people are. It's probably some some guy in Tel Aviv who uh, t tweets Nazi memes to keep the, the narrative going. You don't know. Well, that, that's what it was back in was it the first year of Trump's presidency. There were a, a rash of terrifying terrorist threats to Jewish community centers and, and synagogues here in the United States. And it was reported in the media as a sign of uh, Trump supporters, uh, anti-Semitic uh, terror proclivities. Turned out that it was a, a Jewish uh, Israeli-American in Tel Aviv 
uh, Carter, I believe, and, and he had an uncle, is one of the most notorious extremists in the Shin Bet, Black Ops Division. This was the guy who was tweeting all of those, or sending all of those threats to the synagogues and community centers in the United States. Clearly a massive false flag, and the media never really informed the American no. people that that was an Israeli false flag. No, because that doesn't, that category does not exist in the mind of the mainstream media. So it doesn't exist. Sorry. Apparently not. So, uh, so 70 million Trump voters of them, maybe 40 or 50 million think the election was fraudulent. And there may have been some chicane. Certainly you could argue that by the mainstream media uniting behind Biden, refusing to report on Hunter's laptop and so on and so forth, that the election was stolen. Uh, the question of the vote counting is another question. But then there's also an argument that the Trump side, that is the Republican Party, stole probably a lot more votes than the Democrats even could have dreamed of stealing. At least uh, a magic six million votes were holocausted by the voter suppression Republicans. Uh, and Greg Palast has been relentlessly documenting this for years. And I think it's important to keep this in mind and for people interested in election integrity to research both sides of this issue. Yeah, well, we had the, uh, at least in 2000, it went to the Supreme Court. Now you can't even get a hearing. You, you, there's just there's just no way to adjudicate this type of thing. And the net result is that people are going to lose faith in the government because they can't trust the elections. They will lose faith in the system. And once that happens, people become isolated and then they become violent which uh, may help the, the, the cause of the oligarchs too. Absolutely. So anyone who's interested in, uh, in election integrity really should read Greg Palace's book, which is available free online right now at gregpalace.com. And I personally, I'm not a big fan of Palace overall. Uh, I've repeatedly had offers from his agent to have him come on my radio show with the caveat that I cannot mention 9-11 because he will go ballistic and hang up on me. And I said, I don't want him on the show if he's going to do that. I, I need to be able to at least bring it up in the last five minutes of the show. Uh, and I'm not going to promise not to mention that issue. So I don't like Palace personally very much. And I think he's a complete scumbag and traitor in that respect uh, by being an active party in the suppression of the truth about 9-11, which is not that hard to figure out. You don't need rocket science to look at those buildings being blown to smithereens and understand that they didn't fall down from minor wastebasket fires and so on, or minor jet fuel or kerosene fires. But anyway, uh, his work on the election stuff that he does, that's that's all pretty good. And it's, you know, maybe one-sided. There could have been fraud on both sides in this election. Who knows? But people should read this. It's well-written, well-documented, well-sourced, really good stuff. Another interpretation people should check out from a di very different perspective is our next slide, and that's C.J. Hopkins' work. He's, he's a great uh, sardonic uh, author, and he's a, he's a novelist. His, his, uh, his novel is great. Here he is talking about the uh, Trump false flag is over. Uh, the storm, storming the Capitol Reichstag fire was basically the, the final uh, theme music of the cartoon pro wrestling match of the Trump era. And what it's really about is that the war on populism has taken over. It's the new war on domestic terror. It's the latest iteration of the global war on terror, which had been on hiatus. It will now resume. Folks, you are probably all terrorists now. Yes. I, I read the article, good article, and I think that's exactly what's happening. It was the Reichstag fire. It is now there. We're now going to pass or try to pass the uh, equivalent of Nuremberg laws uh, in the uh, aftermath of it, uh, and uh, that will turn uh, the majority of American people into terrorists. Uh, the question is, how do you enforce it? 
another inst uh, one of the instances of how you can enforce it is that apparently they're using face recognition uh, on the crowds and then they apply it to people trying to get on airplanes. And if your face got recognized in the crowd, they would deprive you of the ability to fly an airplane. Well, I'm still able to fly. Like I said, I flew into the Trade Center. I flew, flew into the North Tower. Uh, well, I flew into New York and took a cab from JFK to the North, well, to the hotel right next door to the North Tower. So I'm not on that list. In our next slide, though, we see that uh, maybe that it's they're right, that they should be raising the terror threat to Orange like they have, because Israel is threatening to attack Iran if the U.S. eases sanctions and rejoins JCPOA. But what Israel is really threatening may be to attack the U.S. again, like they did on 9-11. Um, so warning, terrorist alert, Larry Silverstein demolition threat level has been raised to orange. Stay out of buildings owned by Larry Silverstein until further notice. Well, I uh, flouted that uh, just yesterday. I was in the North Tower of the World Trade Center delivering a heartfelt tribute to General Soleimani and a uh, attack on Donald Trump. Um, so there you go. What, what do you think? Will Israel attack Iran or will Israel false flag attack the U.S. so it can get a way with attacking Iran, or none of the above. What do you think, Mike? Israel will not attack Iran. They want the United States to attack Iran for for her. That's been it's been going on for 20 years now. And then when it came, a push came to shove after the death of Soleimani, and there was a, a reaction. It was Israel, it was Netanyahu, to told uh, the back down. He backed down because Hassan Nasrallah said he had 250,000 missiles there and he was going to use them to punish who was responsible, which was Israel rather than the United States. So as soon as he was confronted with a real threat, he backed down. I don't think they're never going to attack Iran. It's not going to happen. Well, they're certainly trying to get enough power in the U.S. to do that. They will. Uh, if, they will try to get the United States to attack Iran for them. You know, yeah. like, I'll hold your coat, Kevin. While you beat yeah. up that guy that I don't like. That's well, of what course. you're trying to do. Right. Well, that's why I'm saying it should be a false flag attack warning. They're going to false flag attack the U.S. probably rather than just directly attack uh, yeah, Iran. Yeah, that, that would be easier. It would befuddle everyone. That's what, you know, that's that's the way they've done it in the past. Why wouldn't they continue to do that? Indeed. And, and so they are trying to get people, you know, they've got their people in so many powerful positions here in the United States. Let's look at this report from Mother Jones and NBC News, two notoriously anti-Semitic media organizations, which reported that Ann Neuberger, a senior National Security Council official responsible for cybersecurity, has donated more than half a million dollars to APAC. Uh, it's her own foundation uh, run by her and her husband and handed it to APAC, um, which is, of course, the Israeli, quote unquote, lobbying group that runs the U.S. Uh, government and especially its Mideast policy on behalf of Israel. So NBC published this and then the usual suspects complained and whined and said that you're anti-Semitic, NBC. And NBC then withdrew the article obediently, which proves that Zionist Jews do not have any power in the United States, contrary to anti-Semitic canard. Yes, the Jews, the Jews who control the media told Facebook to ban anyone who said that the Jews control the media. In more Israel news, uh, the good news is that we're back to the two-state solution under the Biden administration. The bad news is that the Palestinian state will consist of three bombed-out houses in Gaza, while the Israeli state will consist of everything from the Nile to the Euphrates. 
and will be the new capital of the coming world government as soon as Israel can get it round to blowing up the Al-Aqsa Mosque and holding an election for the position of world ruler and antichrist. That's the new two-state solution. Before they uh, look into that, they should consult uh, history. This was not. This would not be the first time that the Jews tried to rebuild the temple. They tried to do it under Julian the Apostate, and everyone agreed at that point that if they succeeded, they would have proven Christianity wrong. So this is in Heinrich Graetz. It's in uh, the uh, Jewish historiographers. They, uh, they, they clear Olypius. The, the engineer clears off the foundation. They set the block down, first block, and fire erupts from the earth and kills all the Jews who were trying to rebuild the temple. That's uh, in the history books. You can look it up. And I suggest you do before you start rebuilding the temple. Beware of the justice of God. Uh, truth and justice do have a way of prevailing in the end. Speaking of truth prevailing, uh, what about the truth about whether or not Biden removed Trump's Diet Coke button, the little red button on Trump's desk? It wasn't for nukes. It was for Diet Coke. Last week, we reported the mainstream stories telling us that Biden removed that little red button. But now uh, the Yahoo News report begins. The new Biden administration has not yet disclosed the secrets of Area 51 or explained what the Air Force really knows about UFOs. But it did clarify at least the mystery of the vanished Diet Coke button. Well, clarified it up to a point. But uh, in the next slide, we see that it sounds like the button has been brought back. That is that Biden... Uh, banned, the, banned the little red Diet Coke button and then brought it back, perhaps under orders from the gray aliens. What's this Make, really about, Mike? Makes sense to me. Uh, <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. Who else but space lizards could organize something this bizarre? They, they say that Biden is now using the little red button uh, to order orange Gatorade served by gray aliens. I wonder what's in that Gatorade. Time will tell. Time will tell. And speaking of time and space telling, maybe time and space will tell or maybe time and space will no longer tell because they'll be jumbled out of recognition by the new space-time modification weapon. The U.S. has spent over half a million dollars. <laughs> half a million? Wow. Like, you know, a couple of, we could get together and mortgage a couple of our houses and build one of these things. Um, this weapon is a it involves controlled motion of electrically charged matter from solid to plasma via accelerated spin and or accelerated vibration under rapid yet smooth acceleration, deceleration, acceleration, transients. And the effect is the creation of a powerful uh, field of electromagnetic energy that can, quote unquote, engineer the fabric of our reality at the most fundamental level, leading to genuine revolutions in power, propulsion, energy, and even weapons production. So when they turn this thing on, I guess we'll be back, uh, not next week, but next millennium, or maybe in the third millennium BC, yeah. somewhere on the other side of the galaxy for the next episode, or should I say the previous episode of False Flag Weekly News. I can't wait. Can you, Mike? No, can't wait. I'm not sure we'll get the time right, though. <laughs> yeah, it's hard enough keeping track of the time zones without <laughs> them blowing us all out of space and time with these newfangled weapons. Call me a Luddite, but I don't think they should blow up the fabric of space and time. Anyway, uh, if you agree with that extremely uh, marginalized and perhaps even terroristic perspective, please continue to support False Flag Weekly News so we can bring on guys like you. E. Michael Jones, thank you so much for coming on, Mike. It's been wonderful. I, I love talking with you. Um, God bless. Uh, see you next uh, next millennium. Next millennium. Thank you, Kevin. It's always <laughs> okay. a pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.